do you want what you've got or do you want what God has for you? We all know the right answer. But what happens if the right answer takes us to a very threatening, scary position? The first commandments of the Bible are, you will have no of the gods before me. And they weren't going to be threatened into giving worship to anybody else. How much of my life truly is a living sacrifice given to God? Welcome. Today I want us to look at something along the lines of, of being journeyers again, like Abraham, like Peter getting out of the boat, like Thomas, his, his journey from doubt to true belief. But what happens if the journey that God leads us on to takes us towards something that's a scary place? Takes us towards something where we wouldn't normally choose to want to go. Like we said the other week, in the answer to the question, do you want what you've got or do you want what God has for you? We all know the right answer. But what happens if the right answer takes us to a very threatening, scary position? And that's the story that I want to look at. Now, so if you've got a Bible and you grab it, you'll figure out that I'm not lying. Uh... This is what I want us to look at. It's in Daniel, a book of Daniel. Daniel from the Lion's Den, that guy. Um, chapter 3. And, and now I want to read you this story. Now, we're, we're, like I keep saying every time we do this, we're only going to hit highlights of this story. This It's a massive story, huge, wonderful, rich, incredibly poetic and beautiful truths that go on in this story. We only have a short time. So we're just going to hit some of the highlights and apply it to just this one area that I want us to talk about. This is what it says in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar. That's a great name, isn't it? Nebuchadnezzar. Now I wonder what his friends would call him. I wonder if they call him, hey, Nezer or Naber. I don't know what, what you call him. Or Nader. Hey, King Nebuchadnezzar. Or Chad. That's right in the middle. Who knows? But he's a fearsome king. So I don't think anybody's taken too many liberties with this guy's name. So King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Hmm. That's a big statue. And he set it up on the plains of Jura in the province of Babylon. Now then, it doesn't tell you what the statue was of. It just says it's 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Why doesn't it tell us? Well, because it's actually irrelevant. Doesn't matter what the statue is of. Could it have been in the image of the king? I don't know. Could it have been some mystical obelisk? I don't know. All we know is it's 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. That's got to be good enough for us in this story, right? Because it actually doesn't matter. It's what's going to happen about this statue that actually is the important thing. Now, this is what the king goes on to say. 
at Sound of Musical Instruments. This is in verse 7. Like I say, we're skipping through this. Sound of Musical Instruments. Everybody was instructed. All peoples, whatever their race, language and nation, were to bow to the ground and worship the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, as you hear that, see how inclusive that is. That's, that's quite modern thinking, really. No matter what race, what gender, what language, no matter what their background, their cultural identity, doesn't make any difference. At the sound of the musical instruments, every single person is supposed to bow down and worship this statue, this, this big obelisk, this shape, this 90 feet tall by 9 foot wide thing. That's what they've got to do. Now then, this is what happens next. Now, just stay with me because this is going to get a very heated story, as you'll see. Some of the astrologers went to the king and informed him, saying this. Long live the king. Oh, doesn't that sound obsequious and as if they're creeping? It just, like, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring that all people bow down and worship the golden statue when they hear the sound of music. <laughs> the sound of music. The hills are alive. Expect Julie Andrews to come running across the mountains in a nun's uniform, whatever it's called. I don't know. Nun's habit. I don't know what it's called. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Well, that's nice, isn't it? Worship or we'll burn you alive. It really doesn't really sound very good to me. Anyway, this is what it says. But there are some Jews. Mm -mm. You know, this is not going to go to a good place. But there are some Jews. These are the names. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Who you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. I just want to stop there for a second. These three young men, probably friends of Daniel's. Daniel actually doesn't crop up in this story at all, even though the book is named after him. Makes you wonder where he was. These three young men have been carried off into exile from their nation. And they, they've been forced to study things that they do not want to study. I know this because they've been put in charge. Now, to be put in charge in a province, you had to be a person of great learning. Now, when you get taken as a captive from one nation and taken to Babylon, you are schooled automatically in the studying of their gods, in the studying of their religion, in the studying of their language and their culture. You are immersed in that. And they did so well at those studies that they were put in charge of the provinces in Babylon. In Babylon. That's where they were put. They were put in charge of those things. These guys were flourishing in their captivity. And, and they didn't sit around and say, oh, I just want to go back to my homeland. They got on with doing the best job that they possibly could in whatever circumstances they found themselves in. Even though they've been, had their culture ripped off. Um, I don't want to be indelicate, 
but they've probably also been castrated. Because that's what used to happen. And then, given all this foreign education, and they were put in charge. Now, this is what it says after that. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the golden statue that you've set up. Did you hear that? They pay no attention to you. They won't serve your gods. And they refuse to worship the statue that you've set up. Why would they do that? Why would they refuse to worship the statue that has been set up? Well, because the first commandments of the Bible are, you will have no of the gods before me. I am the Lord your God. They knew, even though they'd been schooled in all the religious practices and culture of this foreign empire that held them captive, they knew that the only person that they should give worship to was God, the true God. And they weren't going to be threatened into giving worship to anybody else. Now, that's all well and good in theory. But what happens when that theory becomes reality and all of a sudden your life is on the line? Because that's where these guys find themselves. Now, look, look at this. This is incredible. This is, what, this is what happens when the king heard this. King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. <laughs> yeah. This is somebody who is not used to having people stand up to him. He flies into a rage. And he orders Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to be brought before him. Now, the, the king goes through this whole story with these guys. He says, now, listen, guys, I want to I give you one last, last chance. I want to I be merciful to you. I want to show you that I'm a, that I'm a good king. Uh, I want to show you that I have actually got your, your best interest at heart. Um, if, if now, when you hear the sound, when the sound of music starts again, if now you'll bow down and worship... You'll be okay, and, and, I'll, and I'll let it slide. But if not, then I am honour-bound, uh, to my word, to throw you into the fiery furnace. Now, that's a lot of pressure to find yourself under, especially as a young guy in a foreign nation separated from your culture. But you see... This is, this is the meat and, the, and the, uh, the backbone and the gravel in your guts and the spit in your eye and the, and the uh, that separates what C.T. Studd, a great missionary, would call real followers of God and chocolate soldiers who melt under the heat. Real people who will actually do what God wants when the going gets tough or people who will only serve God if God only has good in store for me. You see, because that's the type of thing that we've bought into now. I will serve God and I'll follow God as long as things are going well for me, as long as it suits my life plan, as long as it suits the plans that I have, as long as things are going well for me and all God's plans line up with my good plans for me, then I will serve God. The moment they come in contrast 
The, the moment they come in conflict to my plans, I choose something else. The moment that it puts me in, in, in a position of hardship, then, then, then I'll choose something else. If it doesn't make me happy, it can't be God's will. How many times have we heard or sung that? But that's not what I'm reading here in this book. That's not, it's not what I read in the New Testament. It's not what I read in the Old Testament. I read some people who've got some backbone and some guts. And this is what it says. Now, listen to these guys reply about, about what they say after, after him saying to him, listen, it doesn't matter if, if you just worship, if you just worship me, then, then everything's going to be okay. By the way, does that, does that remind you of anything? Where was the last time or where was another time when we hear somebody saying, if you bow down and worship me, it will all be okay and you get everything that you want. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 9-ish, the devil, the enemy, the, the, the liar, the deceiver comes to Jesus and says this, if you just bow down and worship me, it'll be okay. I'll give you whatever you want. You see, the enemy's plan is to take what truly belongs to God and take it for himself. Worship truly belongs to God. And this king and the devil in Matthew chapter 4 try to take what truly belongs to God and usurp it, steal it for themselves. Keep that thought in your brain for a second. Now listen to these young men's reply. Listen to the reply that they give. Chapter, in verse 16, chapter 3 of Daniel, this is what it says, like it's 3.16, only it's Jan Daniel 3.16 instead of John 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said this, O King Neb Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. Isn't this great? Isn't it great. We don't need to de defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God who we serve is able to rescue us. And we'd like to say, yeah, great, God's going to rescue them. But that's not where the story ends. And that's not all they say. He's able to rescue us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But, now listen to this, but even if he doesn't, did you hear that? We make this faith confession that God is able to rescue us from wherever you throw us into. But even if he doesn't, this is what they say. We wanted to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you've set up. See, these guys are saying, we don't care what threats. We don't care what happens. We know that God's able to save us, but we need you to know that even if he doesn't, 
We will not give to somebody else something that rightfully belongs to God. Wow! What guts! I mean, that's courage, right? <laughs> that's courage. And the, you're talking to an angry king at this point. Remember that, right? Because he's flown into a rage, dragged him in. Then he's tried to be the good cop, bad cop. Tried to play the nice cop. And then he said this. That They, they said, no, 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 we're, we're not doing that. We, we don't care. Even if God, we, we will not worship. We will not give our worship that should belong to God to anything that you have set up. We won't do it. Listen to this. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious. This guy has got anger issues. Was so furious with them that his face became distorted with rage. His face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And the and the and that and he ordered that the strongest men in the army should bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the fiery furnace. You ever notice sometimes that when you do what God wants you to do, things actually don't improve, they actually get worse? Right there. So what's happening? They're doing the right thing. They're obeying God. They're doing exactly what God asked them to do. But suddenly things get even hotter. In this case, seven times hotter. They're bound. And they are thrown into the furnace. Now, you've you got to wonder. Like, as they're being bound up, and, and you see the guys throwing the logs on the fire and, and making it seven times hotter, you... You wonder if they're looking at each other, right? Like, are we actually going to go through with this? Are, are, we, are we actually going to allow this to happen? Are we, like, it doesn't appear, boys, that God is going to turn up and rescue us. It seems like we are actually going to get thrown in this furnace. And sure enough, they pick them up and they throw them in. They're determined to serve God no matter what. Oh, my Lord, I wish there was more people around like that. People who were determined to serve God no matter what. Even when it's inconvenient, even when, even when you maybe want to do something else, even when uh, it might mean that your reputation gets burned, even when it, it might mean that your career goes down the tubes, even when it might mean that you have to do something to stand up in the face of a culture that's going to hell quicker than we can spell hell. And... And it's, and, it, and it's going in that direction and God turns to, to his people, us, and he says this. He says, will you give me worship? Will you give me what belongs to me or will you just fall in line with your culture? God is looking for people like this who will stand up and be counterculture in their life no matter what the cost. Now, we read this story from the end of the story knowing what happens. But these guys didn't. They see this thing being heated up seven times hotter. These guys pick them up and they throw them into the furnace. And the people that throw them in die because of the heat. Now look what happens next. And I love this. Listen, this is what happens next. Suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped to his feet and he exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? You can read through that really quickly. Now listen, 
you got to understand something. These guys were sitting around watching this. They were watching the torture. So they throw him in. He said, didn't we throw three guys in there? And they said, yes, King, we did. And then this is what he says. I see a fourth man, unbound, walking around. And he looks like a son of God. Looks like a son of God. This is a wonderful, beautiful symbol of Jesus walking through the furnace with us. Jesus walking along with us on this journey to true worship. Why is this a journey to true worship? Because this is people who declare, I will worship God no matter what the circumstances are. This isn't just people responding to a nice tune. This isn't people who are responding to nice circumstances. This isn't people who are responding to a time of blessing. This is people who are responding to God who says to them, I want you to give me your worship and only me. And they say we are determined to do that no matter what our culture does. Now you flip forward all the way through to the end, to, to the New Testament. And in a book of Romans, this is what it says. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, this is what it says. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I plead. It's not just a request, it's a pleading. The writer to the Romans is saying this. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifices. This is the kind of sacrifice that God finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. This is truly the way to worship God. You see, what we do on a Sunday is not worship. It's part of worship. But how we live and how we obey and how we follow God and, and how, we, how we praise him and how we read his word and all of these things are how we truly worship God. Now, I know sometimes that's harder to hear. And we always expect it to, to bring about incredible results. And we read this story way back in, in Daniel chapter 3 and we think, yeah, because at the end the king is praising God. And actually, no. Actually, no. That's, that's not the end of the story. Because the king grabs them and pulls them out of there. They don't even smell of smoke. And the king Nebuchadnezzar says this. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He sent his angels to rescue them. And he's observed all this. And he's seen all this. But there's no heart change. And how do I know that? Because all the way down in verse 39, it says this. This is what the king says. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race, nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses turned into heaps of rubble. That doesn't sound like anybody who's had a heart change to me. It just sounds like somebody who has observed three incredible witnesses to the fact that they will not worship anything other than the true God. You know what? There's different things in our lives that demand our worship and our following them. Demand our time, demand 
How different would our lives look? If we took the phrase, I will worship the Lord my God and serve him only, and we applied that to everywhere, every area of our life, how different would my life look if I applied that to my life? I will serve the Lord my God and worship him only. And then I run all my weekly activities past that. I think, wow, how much of my life truly is a living sacrifice given to God? What a thought. That's why this is a journey towards real, true worship. No matter what the circumstances are. Hey, thank you for listening today. I know this is a challenging story to look at. And I don't know what furnace you might be in the middle of. But I want you to be assured of this. Somebody once said that in all our furnaces, there is a fourth man experience. Jesus walking alongside us in the furnace. He never abandons us and he never leaves us alone, no matter what the outcome. God be with you and keep you safe. You don't have a ton of things in common with God, but there is one thing. You speak. So does he. God spoke light into existence with his words. I wonder what you could speak into existence with your words this week. I wonder what kind of love you could speak into your marriage that feels like it's in neutral. I wonder what kind of courage you could speak into the heart of a child who's hurting. I wonder what kind of peace you could speak into your broken friendship. What kind of hope you could speak into your own weary soul. I want you to know that the most powerful words you're gonna speak this week is probably not gonna be on a stage or a conference call or closing the deal with a client that you want. The most powerful words you're gonna speak is probably just with one or two people listening, maybe zero. It's totally possible that the most powerful sentence you'll say this week is a thoughtful text message that you send to a friend who's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's the apology email that you finally get the courage to send it's the whispered prayers through tears in the middle of a dark night. Powerful words aren't just for preachers who stand behind pulpits. They're for parents who stand next to bunk beds. Speak life with their kids. For spouses who share hopes and dreams during pillow talk, not criticism. For teenagers who stand up to bullies, stand up for the uncool kids. Your tongue is so small, but so powerful. Your tongue is telling a story.
shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. The Lord bless you.